Welcome to the OFD Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Supreme Emperor, Warlord. I am White Clawed out tonight, so we're ready to roll. It is season time. Season time. Jude Seymour, Brad Wechter with me. Fellas, how you doing? There's football on TV. I'm doing great. I know. I, and it's behind me on my desk. It's, it's bothersome. The fact that I got to twist my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Jude, what's going on, man? I'm doing great. I'm I'm with Brad. I was I was I was inhaling football, trying to just I was watching the ACC network for the first time, uh, just trying to get a, a, f- a sense of what that was like. I love Adam Amin, uh, Pat uh, McAfee, and uh, and uh, Tim Hassel. One of the Hasselbacks is it Matt Hasselback? It's Matt, um, yeah. Yeah, on the Thursday night call, that that's gonna be Gonzo all all year long. I'm, I'm dude. That's that. a wild. That it sounds like a freaking. WCW broadcast. It's very hype, yeah. <laughs> it's very, oh my god, that's Luke. Oh my, god. <laughs> my god, King, he's broken. It, I mean, it's literally took it took me a little bit to get used to what what they were throwing down. I mean, I'm cool with it. I mean, whatever, man. But love Adam. I mean, he's like he's a, he's in my top two or three that I loved listening to. So I'm I'm all I'm all in on Thursday night broadcasts. There's a lot of a lot of Notre Dame talk with the. Uh, well, they were talking about tight end you and the, well, anyways. So yeah, we're hype, man. Football's back on. Uh, we we ridiculously decided to record on Thursday night instead of Wednesday night. Um, uh, yeah, because we're dude, we're off. I've like said it in like probably ninety percent of the articles I've written over the last two weeks. How like off I am because of this whole Labor Day thing. It has thrown me for a loop. Um, and I'm not the only one. I mean, other writers, other podcasters are kind of you know, you're misspeaking about days and shit like that. So um, it, it's got me a little on edge. It's a little weird. And then it's going to be, it's going to get just as weird following it up with a buy. So, but we are here tonight to talk about, well, quite a few things probably, but uh, mostly supposed to talk about Notre Dame's upcoming game against the Louisville Cardinals. Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals. <laughs> God, this is going to be great, guys. I, I can't tell you how many claws I'm in. Um, but, uh, their Monday night Labor Day game down in Louisville at, uh, what was formerly known as Papa John stadium. Um, and we're going to get the season started. So Jude, tell me, what do you know about Louisville? Uh, I know a couple of things, uh, just because I've been doing some research just to try to understand who our opponent is. Um, you know, I think the surface level stuff that all Notre Dame fans know is that they had an ap- absolutely god awful season last year. They went two and ten, and you're probably most familiar with the fact that either Bobby Pacino got fired and or the fact that Brian Van Gorder was their defensive coordinator, and they gave up an obscene amount of points last year. Um, this was mentioned on the Irish Illustrated podcast this afternoon, but 277 rushing yards per game. 200. Their opponents got 277 rushing average. Average 277 rushing yards per game. That's it's insane. Um, They're a team that, that gave up. I mean, yeah. and you can see why it happened with the kind of coaching staff they have. You know, what? Jude, let me ask you this. This because this has blown my mind since since I found this out. 
but Louisville only has six scholarship offensive linemen. I heard the same exact thing. So I started looking at these offensive linemen and just saying, like, you know, who are these guys, right? And so well, I mean, like, I'm like, how the hell do you not recruit more? Did Tyrone William throw out a Bobby Petrino mask? It was it was, <laughs> it was very funny because um, our Pat Sullivan did a uh, a Q and A, an opponent Q and A with uh, Cardinal Strong from the Card Chronicle SB Nation blog for for Louisville. And he basically said Bobby Petrino fell in love with wide receivers and just didn't didn't seem to care about offensive it's line. Like, it's like Mac Brown and freaking safeties. They, yeah. Yes, they have they have ten thousand scholarship uh, wide receivers. That's just a little bit of an exaggeration. And uh, and and a lot of great wide receivers are very stocked at, at wide receivers. And then, as you alluded to, uh, six scholarship players. Um, the actual their starting right tackle is a guy named uh, Tyler Haycraft. He's actually a former walk on. So, um, you know, look, we're not here to disparage former walk-ons. We've got former walk-ons that are starting for us. What you nation, baby. Your, your first career start is up against uh, Khalid Kareem. Uh, good luck with that. Good luck with that. He's got you know, a and, that, name, and there, there's a lot of talk about, about one of their offensive linemen, uh, Mekhi Becton. Mekhi Becton, and, yeah. But, but according to Samson today, talking to Dane Brugler over at The Athletic for as an NFL prospect, he – He's still like like a third rounder. You know, he might be like their best player, and he's a third rounder. I mean, he's look. He's six foot seven. He's three hundred and sixty sixty nine pounds. He's a junior, right? So he's one of their one of their top returning starters. Uh, he's the long he's the longest tenured starter on the offensive line. So, um, I, you know, I'm he's got <laughs> he's got long everything, right? So I, I'm not going to count him out against Julian Aquara, but. Uh, you know, I, I think the guys on the Irish Illustrated podcast today were a little bit like, oh, once Julian Aquara gets a hold of him, he'll be a fifth rounder. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I think he's still, well, let me ask, let me, I think he's extremely talented. Have you watched it? Did you watch any Appalachian State last year with Scott? Sa- I mean, no, if, you're, watched- if, you're, if you're listening to this and you, and you don't know, Scott Satterfield, the head coach for, for Louisville, coached Appalachian State, came from Appalachian State, um, which is a solid, solid program. Um, and he really got them back on the rise again um, as, as they've – when they had come over, what, five, six years ago over from uh, FCS to FBS. Um, solid, solid team. Now he's with Louisville. Jude, did you watch any of those games from last year? I only watched one, which was the Penn State game last year, and that was their first game of the season. So, okay. um, and, I, and, they, and they played Penn State tough. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Uh, Penn State scored with about 42 seconds left in the game yeah. to tie it up. They took it to overtime. Penn State won in overtime. But that is a game that you know Appalachian State was not was favored to lose by or was thought to have lost by 20 points, and and they you know obviously kept it within seven. So, um, yeah, that's uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of Appalachian State. I know that he's brought a lot of his guys. Uh, Byron Brown is the defensive coordinator at Louisville. He was the defensive coordinator at Appalachian State. He obviously replaces Brian Van Gorder, uh, who is now at Bowling Green, and we will talk about him later uh, this season. Um, but Satterfield was 51 and 24 at Appalachian State. Uh, he he led him from uh, from FCS to FBS, as I think as you just mentioned, and he won three consecutive bowl games. So. That was that was no slouching performance. I think that was I. I mean that was impressive. So um, he the one thing I kind of know about Appalachian State was that they absolutely loved to run the ball. 
Um, I saw this fact today. Over the last five seasons, Satterfield's teams have averaged 43.6 rushes per game. 43 rushes per game. I mean, that's that's quite heavy on the run pass mix, uh, on the run. Right. So, um, I, you know, I, I think I would, in, unless I, unless we get evidence otherwise, I would, I would think that there's going to be a heavy emphasis, emphasis on the run. Uh, Juwan Pass is their, is their, um, starting quarterback. He was kind of, he was the starter last year, but then got replaced and sort of had spot duty. So he ended up playing, ended up starting nine games, I think last year and appearing in two others. Uh, but he didn't have a great year. 54% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, uh, 12 interceptions, less than 2,000 yards. Uh, fun fact, they actually opened the season against a ranked team last year. Do you guys remember this? <laughs> they played Alabama in their first game. Yeah, I, was, I, I don't know why. I, the first thing I thought of was, was Georgia Tech. I'm like, no, 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 no. That, <laughs> that ain't it. Yeah, final, it was Alabama. Final score was a lot too little. Uh, I think it was like 51-14. Uh, Juwan Pass was 20 for 39 in that game, 252 yards, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions. So kind of an okay game. Uh, I don't think anyone would write, would have written a home about that one. But um, So he's back under center. Uh, he's a big guy. Uh, I think the guys on the Irish Illustrated mentioned today, or maybe it was the Athletics podcast, um, that he's bigger than every single one of uh, Notre Dame's starting linebackers. So yeah, he's, a, he's, he's a big guy. He's, he's, yeah. he's stout. And uh, I mean, the the joke is, you know, at least, uh, you know, we're not going, you know, when uh, Notre Dame played Texas and they had that uh, 18 trailer off with old big boy at quarterback, uh, they went to the three, three, five. So at least that's not going to happen on Monday night. And he's got some weapons to throw to. I, I, I inadvertently did not write down these people's names, but I remember there was a guy named Des who's probably the standout um, because that reminded me of Des Bryant, obviously. Um, they got a guy who's not starting, who's actually six, six. Um, and so I thought that was kind of interesting too, but, um, they're going to, he's going to have lots of targets to throw to, uh, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if they're going to pass as much as if they're going to run. Um, so I, the, obviously it will be dependent on how, how well they're able to move the ball, uh, against Notre Dame and, and, you know, thinking, thinking ahead here. Uh, running up the middle or running between the guards uh, is probably going to be the the line of attack because you would think that they want to see they want to test uh, Notre Dame's interior linemen and their linebackers first, right? When that seemed to make sense. Oh, for sure. I mean, I I, I think that's going to be probably for the first month, month and a half of the season. Really, is, is teams are going to try to attack that. I mean, I I, I don't know what New Mexico is going to do. I mean, it doesn't really, <laughs> matter. doesn't really matter. They have but a I mean, system, sure, so I think they're going to be interested. Well, I mean, for sure, Louisville's going to do it, and then, and then you're going to for sure, Georgia's going to do want to do it because that's what Georgia wants to do against anybody, anybody, and everybody they play, anyways. So it's going to be a big test in the middle, and I, and I think you know, really a boil, you know, Monday night on, with that side of the ball, Notre Dame on defense and Louisville on offense. I just think. It's going to all boil down to that. You know, can Notre Dame, you know, stuff up the middle, you know, force Louisville into past situations uh, where they're throwing interceptions to Kyle Hamilton? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would think that if you if you test a guy who has a 54% completion percentage for his career, uh, you know, that's the that's the situation you want to find yourself in. Yeah, and he's, he's really not – he's he's athletic enough. 
he, but it's a, it's not like it's a it's a burner kind of a quarterback. I mean, he's a big boy, um, but I I am a little bit I, I won't say worried, but when you think about like Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem, you know, coming off the edge because he is a bigger quarterback. This is this isn't them, you know, rocking Shea Patterson's little ass all over the place. Uh, he's a bigger guy, and when you think about all those missed sacks that Aquara had last year, you know what I mean. It's just kind of one of those things where you're wondering. You know, is he going to be able to, you know, wrap, twist, and pull, you know, all night on, you know, on that guy? You know, we're gonna, we're, we're probably gonna say this a thousand times. We're just have to wait and see, <laughs> tune in to find out. But that that I, I want to see what goes on with that. Uh, is Aquara and Kareem going to be physical enough with a bigger quarterback? You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 what kind of damage can they do? to an offensive line that's um, that doesn't have a lot of talent and doesn't have a lot of experience with that, you know, outside of Mekhi Becton. So, um, you know, if they're, if they're ab- absolutely abusing uh, the offensive line, then I think it's the pot of gold guys that set the over under at four and a half sacks. You know, there were several teams that got six, seven, nine sacks against uh, Louisville in games last year. So that's incredible. Um, yeah, so four and, and a half. Think, you know, you just think about back to the Miami and Florida game, which I, I don't know. You said this uh, off broadcast. You talked about how good the uh, the the uh, broadcasters for the Cincinnati game were, uh, but someone was praising Florida uh, quite a bit. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but I was thinking about that game. Like that was such a trash game, but you know, those. I don't know. I I think that they could get. Closer to that range of that, I mean, ten sacks is just a, is an incredible number. Uh, if, if they get five or six sacks, that's a or you know close to that range, that's incredible, right? I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure. I mean, we went 2016 season, what five or six games before recording a single sack. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, looking at the, the defensive side of the ball, Louisville actually only had 11 sacks in 12 games last year, which is just, I mean, absolutely pathetic. Um, but there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to like uh, about the de- uh, the defense. I, I mentioned the defensive coordinator, Brian Brown. He, uh, he had the sixth ranked scoring defense at App- Appalachian state. Uh, they return uh, seven starters. Uh, the leader of the defense is this middle linebacker guy named Dorian Etheridge. He's a junior six, three, 231 pounds. He's got the most starts on the team with 23. Uh, he had a hundred th- he has had 138 tackles in those 23 games. So um his backup is actually TJ Hall. He's one of the one of six grad transfers that they brought in this year. He had an outstanding season apparently for Colgate last year, um, and is now oh yeah the, now the gate his last year at uh, Louisville. They also have grad transfers from uh, uh, oh, I shouldn't do this off the top of my head North Carolina, uh, uh, Vanderbilt, and some other places I can't remember off the top of my head. So, so instead of doing the Kansas State JUCO route, they went full on transfer here route. But as I mentioned last year, total problem stopping the run last year, 277 yards per game, as I mentioned before, and 40 rushing touchdowns that they gave up. I, I just, th- those numbers are mind boggling. Um, so uh, there's, there's, there's nine of the 22 players that they're going to put out on the field on Monday night have had at least eight starts last year. So it's a semi inexperienced team. Um, if you look at their kind of their starting lineups, they're mostly, uh, juniors, some redshirt juniors and stuff like that. So 
these guys will all be back next year. And that's something that I've heard a lot of people talk about, which is this is the sort of rip it down to the foundation. And yeah, this is not going to be a good year for Louisville. I mean, even even if they pull off like an incredible upset against Notre Dame on Monday night, even even if they somehow manage it, this is not going to be like a Cinderella year for them. It's going to be bad and it's going to stay bad for most of the season. Like like there's improvement that can be there, but I don't even know if I would look for that from them other than just to play hard for, for Scott Satterfield. And then, I mean, I think the guy's a good coach. I think, I think that was a a really nice hire by Louisville. So, you know, he's obviously going to need some time, but year one, it it just, it's not going to be there. Right. I mean, there's, there's some things, you know, Bill Connolly, when he did his S now SP plus projections, I think said uh, Louisville could win five games this year. He said that sounded high. Um, let's just run you through Louisville's schedule real quick. Uh, their opponents on this year's schedule went 90 and 35, a 720 winning percentage in last year. They played nine bowl teams, including Notre Dame and Clemson. So, you know, they got Syracuse on the schedule. They got Florida State on the schedule. It's not, I mean, this this schedule doesn't get, it's not like they play Notre Dame and then, you know, Indiana State or right. State or something like that. It's it's not getting easier for for Scott Satterfield. So, um, you know, four wins, I think, is a is a, a four and eight season is going to be considered an improvement. And, you know, they're obviously not going to build them a statue off of four and eight, but that could provide the foundation for two years from now, they're back contending for, um, you know, an ACC divisional championship or, 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 you know, something similar. Brad, what, what are you expecting from Notre Dame on Monday night? You know, I'm really looking forward to like what the offense is going to do. Um, I was looking at some of last year's stats earlier and I noticed, you know, a lot of the explosiveness is gone. You know, we talk about the linebackers and what we lost there, but on the offensive side of the ball, Dexter Williams is gone. Miles Boykin is gone. Um, you know, eight of the 10 most explosive longest plays from line of scrimmage last year came from Williams or Wimbush. And I, I want to see what they do against this defense that, you know, apparently may not be very good, may be improved, may be an opportunity to sort of build some confidence and establish Claypool as a number one receiver and establish Jafar Armstrong as a legitimate, you know, 14 to 18 carry guy. I, I want to see what Ian Book can do as the leader of the offense. And I think they'll do well. Do you, I mean, it's been said, and, and we, we quote Samson a lot because he makes a lot of insightful comments, but he, you know, has said, you know, you could tell pretty much everything you need to know about Notre Dame's football season in the Brian Kelly era from game one. And, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of truth to that. So, I mean, what? I mean, what if it's not really all so crisp and clean? You know, I, I think we're kind of expecting the offense to be pretty efficient and crisp and clean, especially who they're going up against. And the fact that when you look at, you know, what Ian Book did against Wake Forest, I guess I, I I'm not using that example as like they're similar in any ways, other than the fact that like, like here you go, this is a really here's a really efficient you know, performance for you. Um, do you think, you know, if it's not so crisp and clean, do you think that's something that, that we need to worry about for the rest of the season? Or is it just something that they can still clean up? Well, to answer your question, I would, I would definitely worry if it wasn't crisp and clean against Louisville. Um, that's just that it should be easy 
maybe not the first three possessions, but it should be easy against a team that, I mean, we can sit here and talk about how they're going to be improved and they have a great defensive coordinator now, but it's game one with a new defensive coordinator against Notre Dame. Like, I don't expect that to be too difficult for the Irish to move the ball. However, if it is, I think we should worry. But I don't know that I agree with that assessment from Samson that num- that game one dictates the entire season. Because, I mean, I'm thinking to the well, last couple of seasons and you can go out and put 40 on Rice and go, you know. It's funny because the Rice vote is the one, the one exception that he said to, to his own rule. So but you, there's, you literally but there's, said that on the one he thought was the exception. But there's was it 2013 when they came out and – were gangbusters against uh well, I don't remember who. it was Temple, but they only beat him like 29 to 6 and i think that i think his point it was, it was, it was fairly underwhelming you saw the ceiling of Tommy Reed pretty much right away right yeah i i mean i i agree with the assessment for the most part i mean 10 years you know you're gonna have let some me, like, let me ask you a question um I've, I've been told that the the first half line is over under is 29 which is obviously the combined score of both teams I mean, what do you feel about would you take the over or the under? Over. Okay. Brad, I, mean, I, I think Notre Dame is probably going to score 21 points in the, in the first quarter. I'd take the over. And I don't, and I don't, I'm not trying to sound braggadocious about it, but, general, uh-huh. but generally their first quarter since Chip Long's arrived, I mean, even with even just Brian Kelly in general, their first quarters are usually pretty good. You know, that was the big shocker, right? When Book did take over and had that good thing with Wake Forest, you know, we didn't score a touchdown on that first drive. I mean, they're used to, like, getting off to, like, fairly decent starts. You know, uh, Clemson 2015, obviously pre-Chip Long, but, you know, got off to a bad start. You know, Oklahoma 2013, bad start. Um, but, you know, the last few years. 12, bad start. I don't admit that that game happened. But, <laughs> You know, the last few years they they do really well. I I, I don't know what that is, and um, it, it's really high, like like a lot of points in the first quarter versus giving up next to damn near nothing. Uh, so they they do really well in the first quarter, and I I just think you know Louisville's just not ready for this. Um, I subscribe I subscribe to the Tim O'Malley theory of first games like try to keep the the score predictions reasonable because. Um, you know, I hear a lot of these points in the 40s, and you know, right. you look, well, we'll, we'll you get to predictions here a little bit. You look at the stats from last year, and you, and and you can talk yourself into a, a 40 spot or or worse. Um, I just yeah, well, like I said, we'll get in predictions here in a bit. Um, it just seems, I, it just seems like a, a kind of I I don't know. I understand what you're saying about scoring on that first drive, but it wasn't. It, it always seemed very methodical. It didn't seem like they really got the gears going. Uh, right, but I mean that. Hold on. I'm not I, I just want to bring this back for a second because I don't think I'm wrong here. I still don't agree that the first game <laughs> is indicative of the season. The first game last year, they beat a ranked Michigan team with Brandon Wimbush. Did they go to the playoffs with Brandon Wimbush? No, no. but I, I think the general like uh the narrative the- over the next three games was they could only barely beat Paul State and Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean I think you got, well, you got you got you got a you got a little bit of point. I mean, just because of the variances, but I mean, overall, I mean, honestly, the, the Michigan Notre Dame game is a big tell for Notre Dame, anyways. I mean, <laughs> as well, last, it, it showed that they were well, that they were able to to beat a um, quality team when they weren't at their best. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I don't disagree. 
I don't disagree, I, but the the devil. I think. Advocate. I mean, I think. I think it falls in line enough. I think the, the, devil's defense, the defense played outstanding, um, so which Wim, was something Wimbush that we had all season Michigan long. Michigan on the ground, like that's what the the devil's advocate is. Like they were better with Wimbush in that. Okay, game. well, you can say. I mean, and that's coaching, right? Because I mean, yeah, yeah I'm not the, disagreeing. Because I mean, the narrative. I mean, what happened is just pretty widely known, but you know, book beat Wimbush out in fall camp, and but but because no one really knew what would happen against Michigan who had this, you know, great defensive front. They went with the known with Wimbush and his legs and it all paid off. I mean, it was, it was kind of a gamble, you know, and then they couldn't just go right to book after that. You know, they let, they let Brandon kind of wobble enough um, without hurting the team uh, until they made that. Sw- I mean, what everything they did last year with the quarterback was br- brilliant. It was Brian Kelly gets a lot of shit for, you know, like a second year quarterbacks and all that, but no one gives him enough credit uh, for a like rookie quarterbacks, you know, freshmen or first year guys coming in or B like that really needs a lot of attention. What they did last year, like that needs to be known by everybody, why they started Brandon, you know, why he went against ball state and Vanderbilt and why the switch was made. All of that was, not just some shit they came up with week to week. It was a longer plan. I mean, obviously, if Notre Dame beats Ball State and Vanderbilt, you know, 52 to 6 in each game, and Brandon Wimbush is Brandon, you know, the Brandon Wimbush that we love, they don't make the switch. But that was pro- that, 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 uh, that audible was right there in their pocket. They knew what was happening. And I just I want to read it to you real quick because I know that you're soon to be an athletic su- subscriber. They've got 40% off again. Uh, but it says 2018 quarterback play doesn't make me feel good. That defense under Clark Lee looks solid, though. So I, I think I, I think to maybe to 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 your point and also to Pete's point, if you pull this out far enough and you take this from a 30,000 or maybe even, you know, 50,000 foot view, you could probably make this. You could probably make game one shape any narrative that you wanted to say about the season. Oh, for sure. Okay. But I mean, Notre Dame. Talk about last year or this year? Talking about every year. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. To Pete's point, he can make he can make it sound general enough that it that game one is indicative of the season. And to Brad's point, um, there's definitely some things that. You know, if you if you drill down to him a little bit, like okay, well, right, we well, to Brad's point, it's a. I mean, he I mean, clearly right that with, it's a different team. I mean, yeah. it's a, it was clearly a much different team. So the first game literally wouldn't say anything about a team that was different. What could you say about ultimately using your backup quarterback without your starting running back? Right. Right. No, I get it. I, mean, I, get, I get it. it. I get it, Brad. <laughs> I'm there. No, I no, I I totally get what Brad's saying. I, I totally get what he's saying. You're you are you are understood, Brad. Just yeah. uh, <laughs> just one uh, one two more notes, if you don't mind, about Louisville. Hit them uh, up. They uh, there is a Louisville uh, Notre Dame connection, and it's not Brian Van Gorder. Uh, Chip <laughs> Long is actually a former Louisville grad assistant. He actually coached uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks, and uh, they also Louisville's got a wide receivers coach, Gunter Brewer. I I I don't know if I'm supposed to say that like in Germanic, but uh, he, he and Terry Joseph, the uh, what is it, defensive game coordinator? What do they call Terry Joseph these days? Um, uh, they, he's a defensive passing game coordinator. Yeah, they uh, they coached at UNC together. Um, so Alabama has actually won. Uh, I'm sorry, Alabama. Louisville has actually won its uh, last five home openers. 
Uh, but this is the first time they've ever hosted a ranked opponent in week one. They've never beaten a ranked opponent in week one. They're 0-4, and they've lost nine straight games to ranked teams. And their last win, uh, you might remember this game. It was over number two Florida State in 2016. That was a pretty good And game. I remember that game clear as day. In fact, Louisville's had some good memories against Florida State, period. Oh, I would say that their best player on their team actually is their kicker, Blanton Creaky. He's made 84.3% of his field goal tries, and he once had a streak of 14 straight. I think that's pretty cool. Better than uh, Blankenship at Georgia? Uh, I 84.3 is pretty damn high. I don't know. No, it's good. I mean, it's, but Blankenship's the one getting all the uh, street cred right now. Because he's got the rec specs. He's got the whole vibe going on. He yeah. does have a solid look, man. That's yeah. that's solid. Oh, yeah, it, it's pronounced creaky. Uh, not like Finky, but creaky. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I went to high school. Guy in my class. His last name was Creaky. Is it spelled C-R-E-Q-U-E? No, not at all. It's spelled K-R-E-A-K-I-E. <laughs> all right. Well, that's <laughs> no, this dream, so. It's not Don Creaky. <clears throat> all right, we're going to take yeah. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break here to pay the bills. We come back. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk in some general. We're just gonna we're gonna bullshit around. Um, but uh, quick break here. Be right back. All righty. So now that we got uh, a whole lot of Louisville knowledge passed your way, look, and, I, and I'm just gonna make sure I say this. It's there's just really not a whole lot known about. Look, there's not a game. It's a brand new coach. They were a shit team last year, and so I mean, you talk to anybody covering them right now, you just know that they're not good. But they have a good coaching staff. They're going to get better. Notre Dame should not be. You know, fans should not really be scared. You just hope that Notre Dame shows up. Um, you know, to play is all. Is it, you guys think that's right? I mean, it, they, yeah. they got to show up and play, and they're, they're going to get the win. And it should be – I think the spread's what, 18 and a half, 20 points? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's 18 and a half, but it's, uh, the, the thought is that it'll probably go up to back up to 20 by kickoff. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, that's a lot of money going that way. I think it's going to be satisfying, too, because I don't know about you guys, but personally, I don't like Louisville. You see, but I have no – I said this in the anti-preview today. You know, I have real – no animosity towards the football program, basketball really. Teams. Yeah, but it's the, the basketball programs. Yeah, dude, like yeah. fuck them. No, between oh, between sure. Petrino, Patino, and Papa John. Uh, no, I no. And uh, and thirty. No, I, I get you. And thirty-one twenty-eight. I can't believe Lisa made that the throwback. By the way, oh, one of the most painful games. I'll tell you what. I didn't. I did. I was hoping that she would, and did not expect it. You know, Lisa is not one to really like to highlight a bad thing. Yeah, the and painful bits that, of the Notre Dame fandom. So that was a little bit out of her character, and I, I fucking get round of applause towards her for saying this is right here. We're gonna talk about this. So good, Kyle, you know, good for her. That Kyle Brins a missed kick at the end is just I can't even believe he freaking missed that kick. I mean, I know he missed one the week before against Northwestern, but I cannot believe he missed that freaking kick. It just that, that season it, was just so it fun. was like just yeah. over a chip shot range, you know. Yep, yep. Uh, well, they were so that, they, you know, 2014 can go to hell after sh yeah, well, the offensive pass interference at Florida State, but at Joe Schmidt going down in the Navy game that I think that was the end, or 
break it, bake it back even further. Uh, UNC basically giving the blueprint for how to dismantle Brian Van Gorder. How did he not get fired at the end of that 2014 season? My God, my God. That's a, that's what that's what drove Wes over the edge completely. That's why Wes will never ever. Brian Kelly can have three more 12 and 0 seasons, and you know, our good friend Wes, who used to be the host of this podcast, he'll never forgive Kelly for keeping Van Gorder on ever. And I, I mean, I can't find a fault with that. Hatred. He's got a point. I mean, how do you keep that? You saw it. You're a football coach. This is what you do for a living. You saw the dismantling of what he was doing, how he was doing it. You had to have been scratching your head like, what the fuck? UNC, how, do you, how do you keep him? UNC was. You ha- get rid of it. Look what happened. Underdog. In 2016, they fired him, stuck in freaking Greg. Hudson. Uh, yeah, Greg Hudson. For I mean, it was oh, Elson. Yeah. Really, that was probably more or less pulling the strings. But Greg Hudson is now your DC midway of the season, and they got better playing better teams. You've just brought up my favorite topic. I challenge everybody listening to this podcast to tweet at me at NDJRS and tell me what Greg Hudson is doing today. I guarantee you cannot do it. Nobody's written an article. What one article has been written about Greg Hudson since he left Notre Dame? One, and it's about him. Do you know, I have literally no idea. I like you'd think that the guy who coached defense for Notre Dame, and I know look, I, I understand that it was actually Mike Elston, and and I still don't understand that whole thing. And and for the record, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do receipts here. Uh Brian Driscoll from Blue and Gold Illustrated were like jumped all over me when I when I took Brian Kelly's quote and I said, Sounds like Greg Hudson is just a glorified cheerleader. And he said, that's not what he's doing at all. He's running the defense. No, nope. well, turns out he wasn't running the defense. He wasn't running shit. Okay. Dude, listen, to, listen to this shit right here. Greg Hudson's Wikipedia page literally ends at 2016. No, I don't. There, there is nothing more past 2016. That's it. I hope he's still alive. Yeah, dude, I'm feeling really <laughs> bad now. Like, did he get into a plane accident? I mean, we need to make I mean, I should, I should make some t-shirts to say, where is Greg Hudson? I think it was when Brian Van Gorder got hired at Louisville. They somebody art somebody contacted Greg Hudson for a story and he gave like some quotes or whatever. But that's there's like literally been one article. I, I every once in a while when there's like a call for questions on other podcasts, I'm like, where's Greg Hudson these days? And they never answer oh because they don't God. know either. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Anyways, I mean, his last tweet. Well, should it matter? Does he have a kid that plays at Purdue? Uh, he had some Purdue connection. I can't but, remember what it was. I mean, but he's a Purdue player. He's a Purdue alum, right? He's a Purdue alum, yeah. Okay. Because his last tweet was in May of 2000. It was a retweet, May of 2018. Um, and it it was a Purdue thing. And his, his, uh, his bio just says hammer down. I mean, you would think that if he was... He's like a defensive analyst at Purdue, maybe, but but he's not listed on any Purdue things that I've ever found. Like his tweets go from 2015, all about Purdue, to September 4, 2015, all about Purdue, to 2017, <laughs> all about <laughs> Purdue. <clears throat> I mean, this is the mystery. Where is Greg Hudson? Is Greg Hudson. We got to... Oh, man, we, we, we have to find him. I mean, he could be in a titch. We could be doing we could be doing some good things right now. Ugh. Nice. 
So l- let me ask you guys something. Some something I saw today and put out there, and we talked about this before the sh- before we recorded the show. You guys know my feelings, uh, but but let's talk about it. Let's get it out there for everybody else. Is it okay to ever root for Michigan? Okay, so can I start? Go uh, ahead, because it's going to be right, logical so, enough for me to chop down with this fucking can of White Claw I have. Uh, I had this debate years ago with Alan Wazalewski, who's the now the SID for men's basketball for Notre Dame. Who unfollowed and, us on Twitter about a couple months ago <laughs> for reasons unknown. Like, damn it, dude. We can- you know what? I can only take so much drama, and I guess we we're bringing too much. But um, so we went back and forth, and I think he came up with, and we were talking about USC, but I think it, I think it still pertains. Um, he came up with, we came up with a settlement that I think both of us could live with. No one is supposed to root for Michigan. No one is supposed to root for Michigan. No self-respecting Notre Dame fan roots for Michigan. What you do is. You acknowledge that a Michigan win is better for Notre Dame when Notre Dame eventually beats them. The stronger Michigan is, the better that looks on the resume. And you don't want to get yourself in a situation where you lose to Georgia. You need a signature win against uh, Michigan, who is it, who is hopefully a good team. And if they're a dog shit four and eight team, then beating Michigan proved nothing. What if the signature wins a freaking? 10 and 2 Virginia team. I mean, Christ, Brett McMurphy has Virginia going to the fucking Orange Bowl. All right. So, counterpoint. Did I mean, my, counter, my, yeah, my counterpoint is this how, fuck that how, shit. Burn that program to the ground. Kill it with fire. Toss it into the sun. I don't care. They didn't even count the win last year. So, what the fuck does it matter? Counterpoint. My counterpoint is they're dog shit when they're 10 and 2, too. Yeah. <laughs> but at least they're ranked high when they're 10 and 2. Because yeah, but no, but everyone but no, knows that they're they're yeah. overrated. I mean, the only ones it, that ever <laughs> it still doesn't matter. It's still a win against the top twelve program. I I don't care. I don't. We I, saw I, we saw the way that the media bandwagon jumped on Michigan in the Harbaugh train last year, and they wanted to rank Michigan above Notre Dame despite that <laughs> game having already been played. And had Michigan beaten Ohio State, what would have happened? Also, I'm just never rooting for Michigan. Yeah. I, First of all, don't misunderstand me. I never said we were. We oh, no. oh no, I get the logic. I, I get the logic, and in fact, I mean, I think that one point in my life, I I probably lived by that creed for the most part. But I mean, the but the more that I have dived down this ridiculously fucking life sucking hole of blogging, the more I have my eyes have been open to the fact of what actually matters and what doesn't matter, and what doesn't fucking matter at all is what your schedule is. I don't oh, give a shit disagree. what anyone says. This is it the does not freaking matter. You have, you, have te- you have teams that, that win 10, 11 games every year, their schedule's shit, and no one gives a flying F. And with Notre Dame, just having Navy on the, <coughs> excuse me, on the schedule every year automatically means that someone's going to bring that up as a bad thing. And I don't – so I, don't, I really don't care. Right, and that, that was my counterpoint. When you said what happens if you beat a 10-2 Virginia team, I will point you to 2000. <laughs> you tell me how many people were talking about the 41-24 win over Navy. How many people were talking about the 41-24 win over Navy, beating an 11 I mean, that, Navy team by 17 points? Their worst loss of the season. How many people were talking about? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just saying, who who cares? I mean, no. 
I'm telling you, yeah, this if, is- if, if Michigan goes, if Notre Dame beats and Michigan has goes ten and two or nine and three on the year, I, 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 I honestly, God, don't think that's going to matter to dicks. I really don't. This is them going four and eight. It's going to matter tremendously. They could go zero oh, and freaking twelve. I, I, I think it's going to matter about the so only, thing is, only thing that's going to matter. If you're eleven, if you're is eleven, it, is 11 in, one at the end of the season with no conference championship to play for, you lost your only. The game. only thing that's going to matter in is going to be in freaking advanced stats and all the on all the math and stuff. When people are sitting down looking at it, no one's going to get flying F. The store. The only thing they're thinking about is Michigan is awful. They're not going to count the win, Michigan or Notre Dame's win over Michigan as bad. It's just going to be another win. So be it. I. It's not yeah. gonna. It's not gonna make a difference. I mean, whether they were. I mean, it's just not gonna. It's not gonna fucking matter. Okay, I, mean, I don't care if it matters. Wait a second. Wait. Eleven and one with a win over number twelve Michigan is much better than eleven and one versus with a win over four and eight Michigan. Do you agree or disagree? Are you saying that everybody else on the schedule will turn out to be shit? Yeah, I that's mean, my question. I mean, no, that, saying, that's the whole thing. Why does it just have to be Michigan? Why can't Virginia have a ten and two season with their only losses being to? Fucking Clemson and us, you know why? You know there's other Virginia Tech is a team who I'm, I'm convinced is going to be way better this year. Okay, they can well, be, they much, be, they be in the same boat. How much credit do people give to Notre Dame beating Syracuse last year? None. Right, and they but were a top fifteen team. So yeah, but, clearly the name means something. But they didn't give yeah. any credit to fucking beating Michigan anyways. What? So, and it's not, yeah, and it's not like Florida State was a great win last year. Oh, but State was supposed to be a great win. The and only the only place that, that win matters is in a is when you're breaking down advanced stats. Everything else they will throw out the fucking window. It will not matter. I do not care. Burn that program to the ground. Send them to Canada. I don't give a shit. It's just this does not matter. I understand your argument makes sense. It makes complete sense. Of course it does because it's using logic which is, should not be used in fucking college football. There is no logic to this giant mess. That's why we love it. They, it just It's not going to matter. It, it can be and will be a talking point one week, and then the next week it won't be. And the, I mean, the, the, the goalposts get constantly moved anyways. It doesn't matter. I would just, for me personally, I would just assume that they or just prefer that they would burn to the fucking ground. Yeah, don't, I don't, send them, don't send them to Canada. I, I wouldn't do that to Canada. But they'd be better <laughs> off. <laughs> so that's a, that's right. I, I think I, I think this discussion you'll find there'll be plenty of Notre Dame fans on both sides of this issue. I mean, on both sides. We uh, we talked. We just this actually came out about in a roundabout way a couple of weeks ago when I put out my my top you know bro, top Brian Kelly wins Brian Kelly's best wins. I put out ten of them, right? And so, you know, naturally I got people saying, what about 37 nothing against against Michigan or whatever, right? Look, I love that game. I love watching that game. I love rewatching that game. I was very happy the whole time it happened, but that was a five and seven Michigan team. So Yeah, but here but here's the here's my point. That's like that proves my point, Jude, that you're trying to prove the point. So fucking what? You beat them and move on. It was great because you I, all the That's metrics fine. that are used, all the metrics that are used, I have a different definition uh, of best wins then. Right, because you're using math and I'm just using fucking clout. Like, pff, fuck them. We just shut them out. That's but, that's that's my point. Just me, just burn them and just burn them and forget about them. 
But to me, more more a more satisfying win over than thirty seven nothing was last year's twenty four seventeen win because they they Notre Dame beat a quality Michigan team, and I like beating the quality Michigan team. Not honestly, God, quality. it was the same. It was literally the same amount of love from from me for both those games. And in fact, it probably got less for last year because it meant fucking less that you know for their season. So, <laughs> I mean, at least thirty seven nothing was something we get we held on to on a shit year. You know what I mean? I it just it didn't matter to me that you put all of it up against it. You freaking shut them out. You crushed them. You had to use your Big Ten refs to screw us out of the last six points, which you know forever will be known. You know it's one of the, it's one of the best. I would say the top five Brian Kelly wins just because of the sheer fu of it all. Okay. I mean, I just I look at I look at college football. That's why I love college football because I look way past rankings and math and all that shit. I mean, I, you know, I have dreams of rivalry trophies for God's sakes that most people can't stand. There's just a weirdness to it all that I embrace. And my embrace of it includes, you know, burning Michigan to the ground and not giving a shit what happens with them, regardless of if you need them or not, you know, you are on a strength of schedule, you know, boo hoo. And, and and furthermore, if you need Michigan to be so fucking good, uh, make your schedule better. I mean, shit, quit, you know, do better, Jack. If, if, you're, if your hopes and dreams rely on Michigan being a good team that you beat, then your schedule shit. Oh, but this is that you you have to acknowledge this is actually an impossible task, especially when you're when you're picking teams 10, 8, 10 years out. Like, we all thought Florida State was going to be a tough game in 2018 until – I don't, I, I don't disagree, happened. but that's still your job. Well, how, how mean, is people have impossible that, jobs though? all over how, the fucking world. How is he supposed to control that? He can't change the schedule. No. He can't, he can't say, oh, well, they lost their starter against Alabama, does, so they're going to be shit. Does not matter. Does not matter. That is just it, – as unfair as it is and sounds, that does not matter. That is your job. It's an unfair job. It's an impossible job, like you just said. It is literally impossible to know what a team is going to be like six, seven years down the road. I get it. I don't care. That, that's and that <laughs> go out in corporate culture, you'll find that uh, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be what it is. Yeah, I don't hold people to impossible standards, so I guess we'll just agree to disagree on that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking to change. I'm not, change your mind. I live here in the real world where they actually scheduling is actually. No, what I'm saying is I live in the real world where impossible standards are out there all the fucking time. If you don't think that, then you haven't been out of the real world. There's impossible <laughs> standards everywhere, but you're still you're supposed to be. Trust me when I say they are out there. It just, that is the that is the real world. But I, I mean, you can you can understand that they can't meet them, but that's not to say that they're not expected to meet them. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. Okay. He's not Miracle Max, though. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah, do better. I I I say do better. I, I mean, I, I won't. I get it, Jude. <laughs> I totally get what you're saying on that. Completely understand, and I have defended that point before, but. What I'm saying in general is but tonight, if, you're, if, if, you're, if you're leaning your entire season off of Michigan being good, you need them to be good, then it was a shit schedule. 
That's oh, awesome. I think I think the real problem is that that we're not we're not addressing the 800 pound elephant in the room, which is that we really just need the Irish to beat Georgia, and then it doesn't really then Michigan being bad is fine because we beat Georgia, you know. And the the problem is I'm I'm predicting a Georgia loss and a loss to Georgia. And so I need help from other parts of the schedule. And, and I get your point about a 10 and two Virginia team. And, and, you know, look, I'll be the one making all those arguments. Hey, we beat Northwestern and they were the big 10 West champs or whatever. And, and all that, that crap or whatever. But um, you just need as many of those as you can. If you're going to finish 11 and one and lose the only the, t- the top 10 team on your schedule. You know? I just don't think this is going to be a year where I'm making all those. Your question. I, mean, I, I just think it's going to, for me, I just feel it's going to, it's going to be, it is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to get too wrapped up in the, in those arguments. I mean, the, honestly, God, the thing that pissed me off the most was exactly that. Well, what, what, what McMurphy said about Virginia going to the Orange Bowl. So, <laughs> I mean, as far as I understand the, the agreement is a, a Notre Dame team, an ACC team, or Notre Dame could be one game under the ACC team that get, that is supposed to go to the Orange Bowl and the Orange Bowl could take them. Mm-hmm. So how good are you? What is he really saying about Virginia? Are, I mean, they would have to be, I mean, they literally would have to be 10 and 2, 11 and fucking 1 for the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl is not going to pass up Notre Dame. They're sitting there with a 9 and 3, 10 and 2 record. I mean, McMurphy didn't tell us. Perhaps he thinks Notre Dame's going 8 and 4 this year. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's my point. I mean, I mean, do they really think that? Maybe he does. I mean, look, that, I mean, that look that's he, that's where I'm standing on right now. More of that, the whole I mean, playoff, the whole playoff thing, and I, and I made the, you know, because it's been brought up a bunch of different times about, you know, about Notre Dame, you know, the, the statement of Notre Dame has to go undefeated and make the playoffs, which I completely trash. I think that's a completely trash statement. They can go 11 and one and make it. They haven't. That is not to say that they can't. It's not to say that you have. That's a that's one of those things where generally I'll. I'll you know, I'll go all sorts down different rabbit holes with the season, right? But that's one where you you totally have to have the scope of the season all around it before you start making any real claim to that. They could have done it in 2000. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Right. You 2017. If they beat, if they go down. If they beat Miami. They beat Stanford. They're in with one loss. Totally fucking in. Yep. If in 2015, if they didn't shit the bed and play a bad win against BC and then go out and beat Stanford, they have one loss. I still believe they're in. The only problem they had was that they played like shit against BC and then you go out and you lose. It wasn't until they played like shit against BC in a win that anyone really started throwing out those doubts and started and started pushing them down. They can do it with one loss, but it ta- it's you cannot say for certain before the season that they can. They also play that's going to happen. They also played Met against uh, Mike Elko's Wake Forest uh, defense, if I recall correctly, the week after BC, right? Yeah, and the, and if you want to use game fucking control and all that, they 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 took care of that game. I, I realized towards the end they were. It was a twenty four seventeen game that uh, like like the two thousand fifteen Georgia Tech game. Like the final score was not indicative of the of the disadvantage right. there. Right. So all I'm saying is is that you know eleven one, yeah, dude, they they could totally be it. Now it just takes the rest of the 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 look around around on what's going on. It's going to take a couple of under, you know, it take a couple of undefeateds and another eleven and one that turns into twelve and one with a conference championship game, which is still don't give a shit about if it's, you know, I 
I, and I'm, and I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> in freaking August, it's way too premature. We don't know how the season. Yeah, I mean, out, so you know, I, I, we fast forward the season all every fucking. Year. I mean, Brad, how many times? How many times do we keep? You know, we keep hearing about the Final Four. You know, teams and, and it's fucking August. I mean, let's mm-hmm. let's watch some college. Fo- let's enjoy the spectacle and everything that's involved in it. The shit's gonna go on. It's gonna happen. Yeah, like, the these games are gonna get played, and things will start to roll. Because this could be in 2007, and we really don't know, you know? Right. Not, yeah, that was for Notre Dame, but, you know. That was probably the most refreshing thing I heard an announcer say tonight when I was watching. I think it was Aaron Taylor who said it, it during the UCF game. Was, they were looking at the AP poll, and he said, you know what? If we've learned anything, where we start is not where we end. So whatever we're talking about right now, we could have a completely different story. That's why and it, and it will be. A thousand ships were launched last week with the AP poll coming out and some and people writing, well, which teams from the top 10 are most likely to finish the season on rank? Because it always happens. And then Notre Dame got on that list. And it's like, look, I, I get that people like to, to S all over for Notre Dame, but this is, you know, there's there, there are no indicators this season's going like 2016 went, yeah. you know? No, and there's no indicators that's going to go how 2017 or 18 or 15 or whatever you want to be. There's no, there's no, I don't know. It, well, that, they're, gonna, that's they're, actually, gonna have to, they're gonna have to get that game out of the way, uh, <laughs> before we really start. You know, so you get that feel. I mean, that that's what I say. You know, when when there's stuff beyond the stats, it, it's just watching the team. Are they in and out of their breaks? You know, clean. I mean, just there's all sorts of little shit that go. Football is such a crazy game because there's also it's just mass chaos, right? And you got eleven guys, you know, on each side trying to play as as one unit. And you don't get a feel of that from any, from practice. None of that shows you shit until it gets to that game to watch how it goes. That's what makes football so incredibly awesome. Yeah. I saw another good example of cherry pick stats. Um, I think it was on the lead on ESPN, the bottom line there. It was like, you know, Notre Dame plays Louisville Monday. Uh, Notre Dame hasn't started and finished inside the AP top 10 since 1993. Did you see my tweet about that? Yeah, like what? What about the times they started outside and finished inside? And how about how about last year? If you just change that number from ten to twelve, yeah, they haven't started a season and ended a season in the top twelve since two thousand eighteen. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like, I, I get the I get the top ten sounds nice or whatever, but like you're literally just arbitrarily picking. I mean, if it was if they couldn't do it with ten, they would do it with five. Trust me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the AP is the same group of fucking assholes that that you know, turned in their votes before the end of the national championship game, <laughs> you know, anyways, and then it's like, Oh, you know, the, and they all, you know, a lot, of, that's why Notre Dame, that is literally why Notre Dame finished fifth. If they hold those ballots until after that game, Notre Dame finishes 2018, ranked Number four, it does not matter. Right. It's an arbitrary number. You didn't win the championship. You lost your playoff game by a, a good margin. It was a bad finish to a great season, but that proves a lot of what you see with these polls is that they're yeah, in the coaches poll. You just wipe your butt with it. Anyways, it's just a bunch of SIDs figuring out what's best for their school and conference uh, and doing it in like the, the most um, closeted way possible. But just the simple fact, what they did after that, you know, not filling out about, you know, not waiting, turning in an early ballot just shows you what it really means. God damn it.
<laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I was going to get up my soapbox this many times tonight. It's the claws, man. Yep. It, it, there are no laws with these claws. <laughs> my wife, my wife does not like them, and she tried two flavors tonight, and she did not drink them. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty well deep into the claws. I think I need one. They're not good. I, raspberry's my favorite. I'm so tortured. I, I think by I'm so tortured by by a children's television that all I can hear when you guys say there are no laws with the claws are is uh uh chase from paw patrol saying these paws uphold the laws i'm so sorry i'm so sorry why would you listen to me jude i tried with my first two children there was no paw patrol in this house none allowed and then the third one somehow carrie let it sneak into this house and then we there was a bombardment for about eight months ridiculous and i literally thought i put it all behind me until now don't bring it up. Don't bring up Paw Patrol. I'm so sorry. I don't even know what it is. So. Oh, you're so lucky, Brad. <laughs> just. I don't have children. <laughs> no, like, be, this is this is the part to be thankful. Of. Like, you, you're really missing out. Like with Thomas, like pre like World Thomas. Uh, I mean, you're really missing out with that. But you're not missing out with Paw Patrol. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, I don't have any, and I'm gonna keep it that way. Yeah. Near future. <laughs> All right, so let's let, let's get close to wrapping this bad boy up before uh, I fall off my chair. And it's currently three three Utah BYU Utah, uh, who's been claiming to go to, the, go to the college football playoff. So uh, let's go Mormons. You know, I'll, I'll cheer for y'all. I ain't gonna cheer for Michigan, but I'll cheer for y'all. Um, let's get in predictions uh, for for Monday night and. Uh, so get, why don't you guys give me a score? Give me a quick little recap. Probably you don't have to read verbatim. Probably what you sent me for staff picks, which should be out uh, early tomorrow morning. But um, let me have it. Started. Oh no! Oh no, Jude! You go ahead. Oh oh oh, 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 oh! Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. All right, come on, get us started. All right, so <laughs> if I remember correctly, I picked the Irish to win 40-3. to three. Um, And I did the thing you said that we shouldn't do, and I got carried away with the score, and I just thought they were going to blow them away. Um, I don't remember really what I said, but it was it's pretty in-depth, so everyone should definitely read the predictions post. Um, I just remember there's, there's a dramatic uh, last-second touchdown to erase the uh, PTSD from winning 30 to three or 33 to three. And uh, basically uh, Ian book gets us started, you know, feeling really good about the season with a, with a rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it 40 to three in the Irish win. Okay. I said, uh, I think I said 33, 12. Uh, I, I said 12 because I really like the field goal kicker. And I think that I think four field goals sounds like sounds right for the Louisville offense. Uh, 33, just because I can't, I can't spiritually bring myself to 40 on, on an opening weekend. Uh, but look, I I'm, I'll be the first person to cheer 48 to seven or whatever the final score is. So I'm saying 33, 12. Utah just got to pick six, by the way. <laughs> just saw that. Ugh. Lee Corso, uh, okay. by the way, Lee Corso's championship game finalist after beating Clemson is Utah. Yeah, 
Now, look, I I have bad respect for Utah, and and I have I ha- I think I had them in our family, um, like our NCAA football uh, PlayStation on our dynasty. I, I had Utah for four straight years, and uh, like four straight like human years, not four straight years in the dynasty. <laughs> uh, it was it probably it's like a probably a forty year run, um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Jude, you got them covering the spread. Brad, you got them covering the spread. I'm on the same route. I, I, I think it's a. I got a different feel. I got a little different viewpoint of this game. I predicted in the in the anti preview. Go to the site uh, to read that glorious masterpiece um, of crap. But forty four twenty. I think Notre Dame does what Alabama does a lot of times, um, and that is, it, it's not going to be like this weird, crazy, explosive forty four. It's going to be like that lean. 44 that leaning on you like it just scores just kind of happen and not like the you know it, it, the, the way alabama does it is just kind of incredible because it's just kind of it just happens in like in a natural like order of things whereas like you think about like the, the usc teams of the p carroll era when they just had like these massive like explosions right like next thing you know you, you blink and they scored four touchdowns so it's not like that it's gonna be more like the alabama you know kind of leaning on you uh, I do think that there's going to be a few defensive miscues um, because of so many players in this in the inside. But and I kind of regret. I, I really wanted to go uh, uh, 44-13, but I just I thought, well, Notre Dame is just so prone to giving up a kick return for a touchdown, and oh. Louisville does a really good job. They've they have player they they have a. They, they had good special teams last year. Scott Satterfield is a good special teams guy. Appalachian State was. I, I can see him do it again. But there are some rule changes in return. You know, with with the you can't even do a two man uh, kind of wedge anymore. So how much that really plays into it, I don't know. But if points, Louisville should get enough opportunities to return one. I think that maybe they they slip one through. So I, it, it's a forty four thirteen game. But it's going to be a 44-20 score. Just what I'm thinking. That makes sense. Got it. Yep. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm not all rambling. I, I, there is some logic to what, what I got going on here. So, any anything else that uh, that we need to lay out tonight? Can do some final thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. Anything else you got? How do you want to get started with final thoughts? Uh, so I was like I mentioned earlier, I was watching uh, UCF play, and Brandon Wimbush played like Brandon Wimbush. Um, had some good <laughs> plays, had some fumbles, had a dropped interception. Uh, but what I what I had forgotten about, and what was mentioned during the broadcast, is uh, you know they scored like forty eight points in the first half, and I didn't watch the rest because we started recording. But um, there was one instance where they ripped off like a thirty five yard touchdown run, and the guy with the key block is Parker Boudreaux former Notre Dame uh, commit Porter Notre Dame football player who transferred to uh, UCF had the key block in that one. So I thought that was kind of cool. Is he pulling a bus when he had uh, made the block? <laughs> yeah, it, it was called Brandon Wimbush. How many other players does Notre Dame set? Like they sent Dick Johnson down to, to UCF. I thought there was a couple other McAllister. ones. Yeah, 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 it was McAllister, tight end. Yeah, yeah. Um, defensive end turned tight end. And then I think we sent South Florida a couple. Uh, one of them was a quarter. Spencer Boyd. Lowood. No, he went to Miami. Yeah, Miami, Ohio. 
Yeah, yeah with uh, Hendricks. <laughs> There's like a Central Florida and Miami, Ohio are like feeder schools. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so final line on Brandon Wimbush tonight. Uh, as Brad said, a very Brandon Wimbush night. 12 for 23, 168 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. His uh, backup, Dylan Gabriel, 9 for 13, 127 yards. Uh, a very three, Ian Book night. Three touchdowns. <laughs> they won 62 nothing. So, uh, my shout out is actually to the Notre Dame Alumni Association. Uh, this very strange thing that happened to me just got a little bit stranger today and I can't wait to share it with all, all you. Um, they emailed me about a week ago and told me that I was a contest winner for, uh, two, two <laughs> I know what's going on here. Two tickets, you know, I don't think you do, uh, two oh. tickets to the Virginia, the September 28th, Virginia game. And then about a half an hour later, emailed me to tell me that no, it was actually the November third or second. I apologize, uh, uh, Virginia Tech game. Now, uh, <laughs> many people don't know this, but uh, in my real life, I'm an elections commissioner here in New York State, and uh, that would be two days before the uh, three days before the election. Uh, let's see, set Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, three days before the election. So that would be no bueno on the Virginia Tech game. But I could very much make the uh, Virginia game. So I asked them kindly to switch the tickets for me. And the response was, sorry, can't do that. <laughs> Notre Dame Alumni Association. So today I got, uh, I got a mail, a package in the mail from uh, the X Center, uh, from the Notre Dame Alumni Association. And the um, in its side was a, a little um, letter on, a, on, an, on the um a piece of hard paper and it said congratulations you are a contest winner here's two tickets to the virginia game for september 28th and i thought that is very cruel of them to have not changed this and then i actually peeled back the tickets to, to reveal that they are indeed two tickets to the september 28th virginia game hey so, there you go yes yeah. nice. so somebody yeah, I, did, I, I didn't know the good ending that's fantastic yeah, yeah, that's a twist. Notre, dame, notre dame alumni association pulled the string to make sure that I could get the tickets to the game that I could actually go to that they promised originally. So I just want to thank that individual who did not name themselves. Uh, so I'm just going to thank the entire Notre Dame Alumni Association for hooking me up for two tickets and giving me a reason to bring my six-year-old son to his first Notre Dame football game. And it's going to be happening September 28th. So uh, hopefully if you are going to that game, please reach out to me on Twitter. I would love to come to your tailgate. I would love to eat your food, drink your white claw, or whatever I need to do, uh, and uh, and 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 have a good time. I'll just let you know right now. I'm going to that game. So, yeah, I'll bring some white claw. All right, we'll find a tailgate. We'll have a tailgate. Actually, actually, you know what, Brad? <laughs> this is even stranger. Uh, my high school is throwing this third annual tailgate at Notre Dame because we've literally sent so many people to Notre Dame <laughs> that they can fill a tailgate and they're running it during the Virginia weekend. So I've yes to their tailgate. So I will sneak you into the Del Barton tailgate. All right. All right. So here's cuz you're one down. For sure. fit right in. And here's the last weird thing. A kid from my high school is a freshman quarterback for Virginia. Oh, so there you go. Is he the starter? That is may be stretching Perkins? it, but is it Bryce Perkins the starter? Uh, no, it's it's uh, uh Brendan Osborne. He's a true freshman. Okay. Fair he's enough. In a red shirt. Yeah. Fair enough. Josh, thank you.
We're done. <laughs> we lose Josh. He's on mute. Josh, unmute yourself. Oh shit! I had no idea I was on mute. I was I was saying things here and there, like little things. Freaking ignoring me. <laughs> no, we were not ignoring you. Like you were talking, I'm like, oh, that's great. And like, oh, yeah, I'll be at Virginia too. I'm, I think Phil will be there. And you said nothing. You're like, hey, Brad. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Man, ain't no laws. God Almighty! All right, wrap this up. Put a bow on this thing. Let's land. All right, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. We need to stop. Um, No, I, I have one. It's, it's actually just, it's a kind of funny, kind of stupid and funny. But I was at a wedding, um, maybe about two, two and a half weeks ago. And if you follow me on, on my, 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 the one foot down burner account at the subway dome or on Twitter. Um, you'll know that my youngest son is a little bit of a, he's a fireball, man. He's, he's, uh, he's out there. He's three years old, the size of a five-year-old. Um, and he is wild. So we're at this wedding and he's already like built up his little, his little fire mojo. Right. And we're kind of all chuckling about it, but, uh, all of a sudden I'm sitting there and this guy comes, walks up to me and says, Hey, uh, you know, and we, I, I, you know, I knew the bride, uh, it was one of my wife's friends from college. Um, and so all of her college friends are there. Um, and so we're, we're sitting with all of them and some of the people we still hang out with now. Uh, but most of the people we had no idea who they were and it's a big wedding. And this guy walks up and he goes, Hey, uh, aren't you Joshua Voles one foot down? Oh, and so I'm like instantly. I'm thinking I I chuckled, and then I thought, "Fuck," <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <clears throat> like this is what my wife warns me about when, <laughs> you know. So uh, I said, but I said, "Yeah, you know, <laughs> what's that?" And then he stabbed me. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know. And the funny thing was, he recognized, and this is the bad part. Right, where I'm like, oh, oh, fuck, was a try. He recognized me first because of my youngest son. <laughs> because all of a sudden Dylan had no shirt on, no shoes. It was just like a, a wild man. And so <laughs> he seen that and thought the kid looked familiar, saw me, and I'm like, oh shit. So um, I ended up talking to him. I talked to the defensive coordinator for South Adams High School. <laughs> but so these guys are all one foot down readers. So if they're listening to the to the podcast, uh, you know, that was a funny moment for me. I when I'm out and about at a game, you know, I'll get people recognize me and all that. I don't expect, I'm not a famous person. I don't expect it at a wedding, <laughs> at a wedding. It was, it was kind of funny. Um, so, but if you do recognize, my whole point is if you do recognize me and you see me walking around with a Notre Dame, I'll be down at uh, Louisville on Monday. Uh, I'll be up in Ann Arbor um, for that game too on the road, but then the rest of the home games, you do see me Hey, give me a shout. Number one, I'm going to want a drink. So, by all means, please bring me over to give me booze. Um, that that's very important. And number two, I just I like to meet people, so I have no Ed, I have no problem coming over and talking to you. And number three is, I'm usually pretty busy, so I won't talk your talk your ear off like I talk Jude. I, I mean, I got J, Jude and Brad by the literal balls right now uh, online. They have to listen to me. Uh, but you know when I'm out out and about. I won't talk your ear off. We'll chat. We'll have a good time. I'll drink your booze and I'll get the hell out of there. So 
Just want to let y'all know that. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny when the guy's like, hey, aren't you from like, oh, shit. <laughs> just wait, just waiting to hear the next line. And at least it was, it was something good. It wasn't something like, you're a fucking moron, you know? So that was pretty funny. So we, we all good? That was a, that was a hell of a, that was a, hell of a preview. Hey, look, look, guys. We have 84 ratings on iTunes right now. We did not beat Pot of Gold. They beat us to 100. And I'm sure Pete Sampson's new freaking podcast with The Athletic has probably got already 200 ratings of five-star an episode. Uh, someone gave him a one-star, though, which I think is pretty funny. But get over there. Put a rating down. There's, there's a lot of you that listen to this. I don't know who you are, but a lot of you do. Get over there. Give us a rating. Um, I'm not begging for a five-star rating. I'm just a- asking you to give what you think. Um, but I, these things I like to know. Uh, if you have some time, write a review. Uh, what do you like? What do you not like? There's a lot of talk about tacos and burritos on this show. And a lot of the reviews reflect that. So if you feel like you have a taco uh, take to give, do it in review. Who cares? Uh, throughout the season, I had planned on two podcasts every week, a preview and a review. Um, looking at my schedule, I wondered if I was drunk every time I thought that. That may not happen. And that's okay. The podcast market is totally flooded with podcasts. And that's great. There's all sorts of good stuff out there. Please still listen to us. Uh, so if we have two one week and one the next, I don't think that's a huge deal, but that might would have happened. It's a fluctuating schedule. So it's more like a Christmas present that, well, no, because Christmas, you know, Christmas morning. Uh, it's more like a... I don't know. Your wife cheated on you, so she bought you a cool present you don't know about. That's what our podcast is going to be. Uh, <laughs> this is going to come out of nowhere. You'll be like, oh, sweet. That's pretty much it. So uh, we all got our things out of the way. We're going to close shop and uh, look forward to Louisville on Monday night and know on the season. Go Irish. Thank you.